Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. On the next episode of Expeditiously. Please, everybody, welcome Mr. Tyler Perry. What's up? What's, What's going up? on, bro? Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And, and your meteoric rise, man, to success uh, has not come without some level of criticism. Some? Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, you being polite. Tyler Perry, the next episode of Expeditiously with T.I. My sacrifice comes on the end because it's part of my catalog. Okay. So that's where my value is. It's not, I'm not making the money up front. It's in the long game, right? right. So if you go in and you're looking for the bag, then great. You go buy your Bentley, your Rolls Royce, great. That's all. It's over with. That's wonderful. You had it, but, but then what you've done is signed it all away. Right. They own you. And they're never going to give you an opportunity to be in that position. Again. Don't miss the next episode of Expeditiously with special guest Tyler Perry. The episode drops Thursday, March 19th. Expeditiously with T.I. Now available on Spotify, the podcast on app and Apple Podcasts. Is Magia really dead? That's it, man. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Broadcasting from the Mercedes Man Cave, this is Dan Patrick. Welcome to the program on this Thursday, final hour, Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. We've covered a lot of ground today. We've talked some March Madness. Today would have been the opening round. Our poll question, if you got to watch only one, the Super Bowl, or the first four days of the tournament, which would you pick? McLovin, update the poll results from the first two hours. Basically, 70% said they'd rather watch the tournament rather than the Super Bowl. Yeah, a little recency bias and the fact that you would be making excuses to stay out of work. You don't need to make excuses to stay out of work. Final hour coming up, 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address, dp at danpatrick.com. I also watched the Christian Leitner documentary last night, and I you know, kind of stumbled on the topic, and people have picked up on it. Best tournament basketball game of all time, and I said that Kentucky-Duke game, that uh, Leitner hit the shot in. That's, to me, the greatest basketball game, tournament game, that I've ever seen. And people brought in some other ones. You know, you've had NC State at the buzzer against North Carolina, or North Carolina State against Houston. I didn't think that was a great game. I think that was a great coaching clinic put on by Jim Valvano. And with no shot clock going against Spy Slam and Jamma, Jim Valvano outcoached Guy Lewis to win a national championship. But it was a great play at the end. And that's why, you know, Leitner's play at the end, it's a great play. And a lot of times we think a great game is a great ending. But that was back and forth. Kentucky had no business staying with Duke because that was a great Duke team. But give credit. You had, you know, Jamal Mashburn and a cast of characters there. And you had a great coach and Rick Pitino going against Mike Krzyzewski and uh, Duke. But that was that was a great game. I think it was 104-103 in overtime. But... There have been a lot of games. You know, when uh, Bird and Magic played, that wasn't a great game. Uh, Indiana State did not play a great game. Bird didn't play a great game either. Michigan State was the better team. But that was a signature moment for college basketball. Like the modern era of college basketball where we ushered in Magic and Bird and you put them on opposite coast and they would meet, you know, for a couple of championships there. But I still think UCLA, Houston, 1968 uh, in the Astrodome. To me, that's the most important basketball game of all time because they actually showed that in prime time, which was unheard of back then. Yeah, Paul. If you go back three years ago when UMBC, they're the 16th seed and the beat number one seed Virginia, I always thought what hurts that game legacy-wise, long-term-wise, is that it wasn't a close game. I think it was a 20-point loss. The second half was kind of a 
Oh, by the way, you, Virginia was handled by UMBC. Oh, yeah. It, that game, it needed to be a buzzer beater or a close game or overtime to make it more legendary. And, and that's why Loyola got more attention. Loyola Chicago got more attention for their run than UMBC got for their 16 seed win. Yeah, you look at you know some of these finishes, and that doesn't make it a great game. Yeah, you know, when UConn played Syracuse in that what was that seven overtime game? Was it Eric Devendorf? Yeah, he hit a shot that would have won the game, and then they went back and reviewed. Remember, he jumped up on the scorer's table, and he uh, they went back and reviewed it, and they said I uh, didn't get it off in time, and they continued to play deep into the night. Some phone calls here coming up, final hour. Uh, by the way, we are going to have our Meat Madness brackets ready for you on Monday. We'll get ready. That You'll vote on this on, uh, on the website at danpatrick.com. Mario's done a great job. We have 32 songs that made the bracket, but I'm told that we will have a play-in game tomorrow. Two songs, and one will get into the, uh, the big bracket, uh, the, the big dance, as they like to say. So that'll be tomorrow, and the audience will be voting on this. We just had a one seed where we had a uh, take on Notorious B.I.G., and that's probably going to make it in as a one seed. Some phone calls here. Uh, let me get to Jeff in uh, Detroit. Hi, Jeff. What's on your mind today? Hey, what's going on, Dan? I'm trying to make sure that I don't need to jump off the balcony real quick. First of all, you get rid of Darius, you know, Darius Slay, gone. Yeah. Then you pick up, you know, your first move in free agency is to give a backup lineman $50 million. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out, you know, it, it seems like they're on their way to finding the banana peel right before the third pick and just slipping on it and, and, and coming out the wrong end of it. My question to you is this. What would be the worst or how could they mess it up? Because I can see, you know, Chase falling to us. I'm hoping that it'll happen. But in, in your opinion, you know, what would be worst-case scenario for the third pick for Detroit? Oh, well, you might you might take a defensive back. <laughs> uh, you know, if you're Detroit, do you take a wide receiver that high? You know, what – I, they need help, so I don't. I don't know if you can sit there and go, boy, we're going to find all the answers. If I'm Detroit, you know, do I trade out of that? Can I get somebody who wants to come up there because somebody's going to go up and get either Tua, Herbert, or Love? I just I get that feeling. Somebody is going up. Question is, how high can you go up? And uh, I, I think that's the interesting part of this is who's desperate enough to go up there and get one of these quarterbacks? McLevin, do you have a new poll question? Uh, yeah, I have an option. Uh, today is the first day of tournament. If you were going to fill out your brackets, if I gave you the top eight teams, who are you going to have as a champion? Or is that an unfair question? Right That's now? unfair. I just said that, uh, and thank you, McLovin. Uh, by the way, McLovin joining us via Skype, so we've had some technical issues all morning long, so we apologize for that. But um, I wanted the brackets released just, you know, and I know people say, oh, that's, uh, you know, that hurts even more if you're Dayton or San Diego State. I'd, just, I'd be curious what those brackets look like. That's all. And then it would give us some things to talk about here with college basketball and what could have been. I mean, it's not college basketball's fault, you know, but it, it would allow us to talk about the sport. And this time of the year, you know, we want to talk about the sport. And that would be a fun thing to just go, what if? Uh, and, look, I'm, I didn't have my last season taken away from me because, you know, of what happened like these kids did. But I, I don't know. 
I, I, maybe I'm in the minority, but I'm thinking, yeah, it'd be great. It'd be great to see it. <laughs> yeah, Paul. We go. It goes back to if you if I played for Dayton or one of those schools that was up there, I would do anything. Play in a summer league. Play in a pickup game. Have, just film anything. Get get a bunch of Duke guys and Dayton guys together and play a, play a game and just. Can't get together. Get a charity involved. Yeah. yeah. I'd love to see Dayton play Kansas. Or San Diego State gets in there and then somebody else. We can host it here in our man cave. No fans, just like for the AUAA. By the way, tonight at 7 Eastern, the championship game of the American Unathletic Association of America. And uh, we're waiting. We're going to have season two of the AUAA, but uh, probably a little bit later on uh, as we get closer to uh, the summer. Brett in North Carolina joins us. Hey, Brett, what's on your mind? Hey, good morning, Dan. Good morning, Brett. I just wanted to, I just wanted to chime in. Uh, my senior year at Indiana University, 1987, uh, Keith Smart hits the shot against Syracuse, and right. I hope Paulie kind of has my back and uh, gives me a little bit of props on that. All right, yeah, that was a great moment. But we're looking at, you know, there were great games is what I talked about with Duke and uh, Kentucky. Great moments. We've had a lot of those in the tournament. But I was just talking about the greatest game that I ever saw. And, uh, you know, with the storylines with Kentucky and Duke, uh, I, you know, I would say that that was. When Bird played Magic, it wasn't a great game. It, it was an important game, but it wasn't a great game. Tommy in Florida joins us. Hey, Tommy. Hey, man. Six, six foot one, eight, five. Yeah. Great show, DP. Thanks. Uh, my, but the three games that I, that jumped out to me, and I was not a Duke fan, but they were all Duke games. I agree with you that Duke, Kentucky, by far, all the way through start to finish was fantastic. The, uh, the other, there were two more. Duke UNLV, when they beat UNLV the year after they got destroyed yep. by UNLV, yep. was a great game all the way through. And then one was a regular season game, and it was when Duke went in it. And I did watch the – I know these are all on the, the Leitner thing, but when Duke went into – I actually remember watching this game. When Duke went into Michigan to play the Fab Five in the regular season, that was an edgier seat game, and I think it went into like a couple overtimes, if I'm not mistaken, or it was a buzzer beater or something like that. All right. Thank you, Tommy. Yeah, that was a big deal when Duke took on the Fab Five. You know, it was the establishment against the anti-establishment, and that was a big deal. I don't think it was a buzzer beater. Can you guys look on uh, Michigan uh, when Duke went in there and played when Leitner was there? Oh, in the regular season? Yeah. That was, I think it went overtime, and Michigan lost in overtime. Yeah. I remember Michigan lost. Not a buzzer beater. No. And then Michigan lost in the tournament. They lost, I think, 77-71 to UNC in the tournament in the final game. Um, let's see, a couple other uh, phone calls here. Brian in Texas. Hey, Brian, what do you have for me today? Um, uh, 214. <laughs> Brian, do you Brian forget how much you weigh? No. <laughs> sorry. All right, 62214. There you Listen, go. The, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was distracted for a second. Listen, I'm not, certainly not the, the greatest game ever played, but the most significant game and the most important game ever played was 54 years ago today, March 19, 1966, Texas Western over Kentucky. I, I, I would put it up there. I, I understand what you're saying. The significance of an all-black starting five and taking on, you know, that, that was the establishment with the anti-establishment. 
where uh, you know Don Haskins started uh, all you know starting five was black, Kentucky was all white. That was that was very significant. You know this. They, they, it's like when USC played Alabama in football at Alabama, and all of a sudden Bear Bryant went, um, I think I need to get some African-American players down here because he saw what USC had, and, uh, you know, that changed. That helped change the SEC and college football. But Texas Western, that was a significant game as well. Like, there's three of them now. Prime time, the UCLA-Houston game. And then prior to that, Texas Western against Kentucky. And then Bird Magic. Those were all very important games. I'm with you on that. And that's a that's a great call. Dave and Dayton joins us. Hey, Dave and Dayton, how are you? Hey, how's it going today, Dan? Good, sir. 510-190. Uh, sort of a, a great game that I remember is that story gets forgotten. Uh was an 89 uh, championship run by Michigan over Seton Hall. That was a... Back and forth game, if I remember correctly. Yeah, uh, but uh, didn't Michigan get some help there in that game? Feels like right, Seton. Yeah. Right, Seton O'Connor. The lamest foul call of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you, Dave. Thank you for ruining Seton for the final hour of the show. John Cloggerty. Yeah. Keep your head up. Mary is <laughs> crying. <laughs> like a, and my dad going, "It's only a game. It's just a game." He's trying to, we're all, me and like my brother, my mom and dad, everybody, we're all like, ah, so it's only a game. Your middle name is Seton after yeah. Seton Hall. Yeah, he was just trying to be like calm about everything. Like, no, it's cool. Don't worry about it. We're all bawling. Ah, I'm so sorry. It's only a game. Can you imagine there's some little kid in Ann Arbor named Ted Wolverine Smith on the other side of that, you know. But his, your brother's middle name is Rutgers, right? Oh my gosh! Could you imagine, David? Yeah. David Rutger. Yeah, David Rutgers. Yeah, Rutgers Howard <laughs> O'Connor. Right. Uh, let me see. Some more phone calls coming up. Uh, there's some interesting notes here on uh, what the Bears have done with Nick Foles. You know, there's the really good Nick Foles, and then there's really questionable Nick Foles. But the Bears—that gives you an idea that the you know where the Bears are with Mitchell Trubisky. You know, he suffered a broken collarbone for the second time since 2014, and he's behind an offensive line that struggled in 2019. Um, he doesn't get a whole lot of time to throw behind that offensive line, according to Pro Football Focus, less than uh, two and a half seconds. He was great for uh, a little while with the Eagles, won the Super Bowl, but in 16 starts outside of Philadelphia, split between the Rams, Chiefs, and Jags, Nick Foles is 5-11, 12 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. When he's good, he's really good. And when he's not, it could be trouble. But if that's your answer there, and maybe you're just getting a guy who's a better game manager than Mitchell Trubisky. Maybe that's all this is about. NFL Network's uh, Ian Rappaport reporting the Chargers not expected to pursue a veteran quarterback after missing out on Tom Brady. I guess Brady said to Tampa and the Chargers, this is what I want. I, I want to have a two-year deal, and I want it to be for $60 million, and I want to have a role in personnel decisions. If you're the Chargers, how do you let Tom Brady get off the phone without agreeing to a deal? Unless he just wanted them as leverage, but you were going to get that from either team. Both teams have already said, hey, we understood what the parameters were. And, and everybody was amenable to this. 
there were, there were reports of this that both had the same offer and Brady decided to take Tampa instead of the Chargers. But if you're the Chargers, I just think you got to say, I know that's what Tampa's offering you. What will it take? We want to know. Tell us what you want, and we'll give it to you. Yes, he but don't you think there's probably a little bit of a mental game with the Chargers saying, well, we have to get rid of Rivers because he's too old. I mean, he's 38 now, but we're going to upgrade with the 42-year-old Tom Brady. But do you think Brady's an upgrade over Philip Rivers? I don't know. I do. I would think. He's got an arm. But don't you think that that's got to be a little strange? We have to get rid of this guy because he's too old, so let's bring in Tom Brady. Details, details, details. Yeah. But I would, I would say that Brady's an upgrade. Absolutely. The Chargers are going to go with Tyrod Taylor and probably a rookie quarterback for 2020. And I'm fine with that. So Cam Newton, Andy Dalton, Jameis Winston are probably going to be backups somewhere in the NFL. The question is, what does Belichick do? Does Belichick want either one, you know, either of those three, Cam, Andy Dalton, or Jameis Winston? I can't, ima- I can't imagine Jameis Winston in a Patriot uniform. I just can't. Like, he would probably throw interceptions during warm-ups, you know. Defensive backs would swoop in and pick off a couple of his passes. Uh, Yeah, here's Albert Breer. Uh, The two teams involved, Buccaneers and Chargers, were both amenable to those conditions that Brady wanted. Two-year commitment, backed by guarantees. Ask was $60 but allowed for creativity. This wasn't all about money. He wanted to give his new team financial flexibility as well. No. The uh, Houston Texans gave their side of the story with DeAndre Hopkins because DeAndre Hopkins gave his side of the story to Michael Irvin. We'll talk about that. More of your phone calls coming up next right here on the Dan Patrick Show. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you can save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Once again, it's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. Geico.com. What's happening, everybody? This is the official Lakers podcast. I'm your host, Mike Trudell. Super pumped to be here, flanked by Aaron Larsoul. You ready to go? I'm ready to go. Let's get it. I think the Lakers will be a top 10 defense. Can you call in your shot again? A team that has two stars or two superstars in this case, as LeBron and AD, can sometimes cancel each other out. But I think they're both good candidates for MVP. I really like the way that this team just feels to be around. Mm-hmm. The, uh, it's a it's a very clear message. It's two stars, LeBron and AD, and it's everybody else that's on board. The relationship that is developing between those two off the court and on the court, their cohesiveness on the court, I think in this case this is a special case that the two of them will enhance each other as opposed to taking away from each other. Be sure to rate, subscribe, and leave a review. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. says he's got a hot pole question. Nice. Yeah. What is your hot pole question for the final hour here? Which one of the following players will be on the Buccaneers next season? (laughs) Which one of the following players will be on the Buccaneers next season? Todd Gurley, Julian Edelman, Rob Gronkowski, 
Antonio Brown, Larry Fitzgerald. I think two of those will make it. Two of those players will be, yeah, the Rams are trying to see if they can uh, unload Todd Gurley's contract. I think Brandon Cooks is also another player they're looking at trying to unload his contract. Yeah, Rams need some help here because they, they're in salary cap hell there. Julian Edelman is going to turn 34. I just don't see Gronk coming back to play. Antonio Brown, he needs a home. He might be the most likely out of that whole yeah, group. Yeah. Antonio Brown <laughs> got free time. Yeah, I just if if I'm Arizona and Larry Fitzgerald's playing one year, then like you don't need wide receivers. It'd be nice if Larry got a chance to play in a meaningful game. Uh, it's been a long time, but I, I see Antonio Brown as a possibility, and I don't know who is possibly looking at Todd Gurley. I, I haven't seen any reports of who the Rams are going to trade him to. Do they cut him? Because that, that may be what happens. They cut Todd Gurley. And it goes back to what I say about running backs. I mean, Derrick Henry was spectacular. I just don't want to pay him four or five years. I just, I don't. Ezekiel Elliott, nice, you know, unbelievable. But uh, not now. I don't, I don't want to tie up that kind of money with my running back. And Carolina's probably going to get into that with Christian McCaffrey at some point. All right, I've been looking at these over-unders here, and I find it. There are two teams, according to Vegas, double-digit wins um, over-under. Ravens at 11 over-under. Saints at 10, and I believe uh, Kansas City at 11.5. So three teams have double-digit win totals, according to Vegas. I'm looking at the worst teams because somebody – is going to be the worst team and have the opportunity to draft Trevor Lawrence. Bengals at five. Jags at five. Dolphins six. Where are my Redskins? I know they're on here. Uh, Washington at five. Those are your uh, your bad teams right now. The Browns are at eight over under. Cowboys are nine and a half. See if there's anything else interesting on here. Packers, nine. Colts, eight and a half. Even with the addition of Phillip Rivers. Where are the uh, the Buccaneers? Buccaneers, nine. I don't know with Tommy. I'm going to go nine. I'm going to go over. I'm going to go nine and a half wins for the Buccaneers. I don't want to commit to ten. I'm going nine and a half wins. All right, so... Thanks to McLovin for uh, sending those to me. Let me get uh, a couple more phone calls in here. Phil in Colorado. Hey, Phil, what's on your mind? Well, I was just thinking about the NCAA basketball tournament in 1983. I had the privilege of being in the pit in Albuquerque, 18,000-seat stadium, so it was real intimate. Yeah. First Saturday, uh, Larry Brown sat right in front of me. And uh, being from Colorado and having this former Denver Rocket, Denver Nugget coach sit in front of me was, I I didn't think it could get any better. Well, that's cool. I appreciate the phone call, Phil. Yeah. Albuquerque, New Mexico, when Jim Valvano was searching for somebody to hug after they won. I mentioned that um, there's some uh, there's some laundry here, some dirty laundry with DeAndre Hopkins and Bill O'Brien with the Texans. Because we wondered, you know, why you make that trade? Well, I was told that they were making the trade, that DeAndre Hopkins was going to be traded in the offseason. question is, where was he going? 
we thought that if you're going to trade him, that you're going to get equal value in return. And they didn't, in my opinion. Uh, keep this in mind. DeAndre Hopkins, uh, and he was letting people know, if I'm the best wide receiver in football, why am I not paid as the best wide, wide receiver in football? Why is Julio Jones make whatever, 8 to $10 million more than me? Well, the Texans are getting their side of the story out. Uh, Diana Rossini had this tweet that Hopkins wanted 18 to 20 million. Now you can argue, does, is he worth it? You know, are wide receivers worth it? It feels like you can find running backs and you can find wide receivers. Who is the most special wide receiver in the game? Julio Jones was a couple of years ago, but not now. Michael Thomas from New Orleans you can make the case that he's as valuable to his team as anybody is. Hopkins is a great player, but 18 to 20 million, you're going to have to pay Deshaun Watson. Uh, you already paid JJ Watt. Like you're, you're tied up in some contracts here. Uh, let's see. Uh, the team told Hopkins uh, was told Hopkins was not showing up if he did not get that deal. So Houston moved on. Uh, I was, you know, told as soon as this happened, I reached out to a source. And I said, you know, help me understand this and said, uh, Bill O'Brien has the short fuse and uh, that De uh, DeAndre Hopkins was known as a PIA, pain in the ass. Now, still a great player, but that was the word, you know, on the street with, within NFL circles there. Then you got this uh, story that came out with Michael Irvin saying DeAndre Hopkins told him he had to sit down with Bill O'Brien and he's saying some things to Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien said, the last time I had this kind of conversation was with Aaron Hernandez. And I'm going, I don't know if DeAndre Hopkins has been involved in anything off the field. And then allegedly brought up that DeAndre Hopkins and his baby mamas. I'm thinking, oh, boy. Now, that's Michael Irvin who's saying that. DeAndre Hopkins then came out and said, hey, it's being blown out of proportion. He didn't say it wasn't <laughs> wasn't true. Yeah. That's what I wanted to know. Was it true? I mean, we do blow it out of proportion. But either tell me if it was said or not said. That's what I want to know. But Bill O'Brien has the short fuse. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins asking for that money. Hey, if you don't pay me the money, I'm not going to show up for camp. And then they decided to move on. You got to get more. It feels like for DeAndre Hopkins. I don't know if Arizona knows this. Arizona agreed to do that. That you know, if I'm DeAndre Hopkins and you send me to Arizona, hey, just so you know, I want to get this. And so, probably not the best way to walk into a new team. But if that's the case, then we're going to find out if uh, DeAndre Hopkins is going to get his money. Who is the highest paid wide receiver? Is Julio Jones? And, and do we look at contracts with wide receivers the way we do quarterbacks where, hey, next man up gets more money? Because I don't think so. Quarterbacks we do. Running backs we have. But when it comes to wide receivers, yeah, I'm pulling. Odell, $18 million. Mike Evans, 16 Hopkins, 16 My, uh, Michael Thomas is up there now. He's at 18 and over 18 And where's Julio? Checking. Checking on it. Hmm. Well, OBJ is overpaid. Uh, Thomas has he's extremely valuable. Um, yeah, I just it feels like you can get these receivers somewhere, and you got a lot of receivers coming in this draft as well. Yeah, Paul Julio Jones. It's 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 all over the place. His money this year he's going to make. 
you know, bonuses, everything, everything. Yeah. I got him at eighteen and a half million dollars. Okay. Yeah. So, and what was Hopkins making before this? Was he making like fourteen? Oh, okay. I mean, come on, he's not underpaid that much. And if you want a new, he's twenty-seven. How many more years did he have on this contract? Because if I'm Houston and, and he had like two years left, then I'd say easy here. Yeah, Paul. Yeah, he had three years left on yeah, his well, deal. Come on. And 12 million, 13 million, 13, 14 million. Yeah, come on. Yeah, I understand. If, and look, get something in return that can help you. Not a running back who probably won't even start for you. Yeah. All right. A couple more phone calls in here. Uh, Christy in New York joins us. Hi, Christy. Hi, Dan. How are you this morning? Great. Great. Good. Good. I wanted to share, well, first time, long time. I got 5'9", 135. Um, wanted to share <laughs> my favorite um, NCAA moment, which was in 1998 in the Final Four. And unfortunately, my running youth with Rick Majerus. Uh, lost against Kentucky in the Wildcats. All right. Uh, I love Rick Majerus. God rest his soul. Thank you, Christy. Keith Van Horn was uh-huh. on that team. Didn't they have, like, Michael Doliak? Ooh, nice. Was that his name? And didn't they have uh, oh. Andre Miller? Was that his name? The guard? You're crushing it. Yeah. Hanna Matola or whatever. Oh. Hanna Matola. Mal- 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 <laughs> He's a fan of this show, by the way. I get notes from yeah. him. Well, of course he is. Of course. Yeah. Why wouldn't he be a fan of the show? Uh, Todd. Hi, Todd. Todd in North Carolina joining us. Hi, Todd. Hey, Dan. It's good to talk to you again. Thank you, Todd. Uh, one of my favorite recollections, and this is dating me, it wasn't actually the NCAA tournament, but it was the ACC tournament in 74. NC State beat Maryland in triple overtime back when only one team could go to the NCAA tournament. Yep. If Maryland had won that game, uh, David Thompson and Tommy Burleson wouldn't have played UCLA, and UCLA may have ended up with another NCAA championship. That's a great call. Thank you, Todd. I love David Thompson. He was spectacular. He was. He was. That's one of the the first guys I saw where, at six four, he could take on big men. And you know, David missed out on the TV era, but he was so exciting. And I remember that NC State game against UCLA, and UCLA just goofed around and let NC State hang around. And then NC State with Norm Sloan, I believe, as their head coach, but uh, beat UCLA with Bill Walton. And that was a good UCLA team, but David Thompson was unbelievable. He was one of my favorite college players. He Now, that's when you watch a guy jump and you go, oh, my God. Now, there's guys who can leap, but... David Thompson, I think his vertical was 44, 45 inches. Uh, Bob in Florida. Hey, Bob, what do you have for me today? Hey, Dan, uh, 6'3", 242. So I got two games. One was the Butler-Duke, Gordon Hayward lip out on the bank shot yeah. at the end. And, and the other one is not a tournament game. Was You just talked about uh, UCLA in 74. And that would be Notre Dame upsetting UCLA and breaking the 88-game win streak. Yep, yep, that was uh, that was a rough day because I was a big UCLA fan growing up. And I don't know why, other than, I guess, because I'm like any other kid. Hey, let me root for the team that always wins. But I, I just, that UCLA went into Notre Dame, and Digger Phelps did a great job. Digger Phelps, an actually underrated college coach. 
Hall of Famer, great coach, great coach. And loved, loved taking on John Wooden. Yeah, Paul. If we're going to bring up the topic of NCAA tournament pain, as a youngster in Chicago, I like DePaul University basketball when they're really good. They went into the tournament a couple times, I think, undefeated. In 81, they had Mark Aguirre. They were undefeated, number one overall seed in the tournament. And you know this, they lost to St. Joseph's because a player for DePaul missed a few free throws late in the game. I was at the game. Uh, was oh at my. the University of Dayton Arena. Yeah, at the Dayton Arena. And Didn't Mark Aguirre walk back to the hotel in his uniform? He got the ball out of the net. I think it was a guy named John Smith from St. Joe's who made a layup at the buzzer. And the story was Mark Aguirre got the ball out of the net and walked out of the arena, full uniform, and walked back to the uh, Marriott, which is about a mile or so away. But that was always the story. You know, because they came in as the number one team. Because you had uh, Clyde Bradshaw, Terry Cummings. You had you had a stacked team there. Ray Meyer. Yeah, Paul. And the kid who missed the free throws for DePaul was named Skip Dillard. Yeah. He was one of the leading free throw shooters in the country and led DePaul that year. I don't remember it. It doesn't no, it It's not as full of my heart. Oh, God. It doesn't hurt that much anymore. Wild. Uh, Nick in Rhode Island joins us. Hi, Nick. What do you have for me today? Hey, Dan. What's up, man? Long hey, time fan. So I got a couple games that are of recent timing. Uh, I was born in 1990, so this is the Millennials uh, classic. Uh, 2008 national championship, Kansas versus Memphis. Uh, Memphis was basically had the game locked up. They choked it away. Derek Rose missed some free throws. Mario Chalmers tied it up, brought it into overtime. That was classic. For some reason, I don't think it gets talked about enough, probably because Memphis vacated all their wins. <laughs> That's true. Uh, another one was uh, 2010. I think it was Xavier, Kansas State. There was uh, double overtime, Sweet 16. I know Jordan Hamilton uh, or Jordan Crawford hit like a game high in three. That was crazy. That was another one. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks for the phone call there, Nick. Yeah, they're you know they're, it's interesting though what games resonate with certain fans. Um, but I was just talking about you know the the Duke Kentucky game. That that's the best game I ever saw. Now, not the most important one because Texas Western beating Kentucky in 66 was the most important game along with UCLA against Houston in a primetime game at the Astrodome. Because I don't think a basketball game had ever been played in a venue that large. Because, you know, coaches back then, they wanted an intimate setting. They wanted to have a home court advantage. And now, look look at Rupp Arena. That's 24,000 in there. I don't know if there's a bigger arena that's used by a team on a regular basis like Rupp Arena. You know, Duke, you go to Cameron Indoor, that's a home court advantage. Like that, that's what, the, you know, the coaches used to want. You wanted that intimacy there. You want the fans right on the court. And uh, now, you know, we kind of sterilized a lot of college basketball. You know, even Madison Square Garden, there is a home court advantage. There's an intimacy to the garden. But still, that's probably 18,000, 19,000 that you put in there for college basketball games. More phone calls coming up. Imagine being invited to an old-timers game, and you're not old. That story's next here on the Dan Patrick Show. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do, and I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you can save. It's GEICO easy. 
Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Once again, it's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. Geico.com. Hey, listeners, just wanted to take a minute to thank all our great sponsors and all of you great listeners for supporting this podcast. We certainly couldn't do it without either of you. And I wanted to remind you that you can support our sponsors by going to our show page at podcastone.com, clicking on the support this podcast button, and there you will see all our wonderful sponsors that help make this show possible. Thank you for downloading, subscribing, and of course, supporting. And now back to the show. Imagine you're invited to an old timers game and you're 33 years of age. <laughs> that happened to Phil Hughes. Uh, it's unclear who is uh, the youngest retired Yankee to ever participate in an old-timers game, but Hughes would probably be the youngest. The Yankees actually have seven players on their roster that are older than Phil Hughes. you got one guy who's 40, and then you got a couple of guys who are 37, a couple of 34, but Phil Hughes at the age of 33... Could you show up for an old-timers game, and then they actually ask you to pitch a couple of innings? Gosh, 33 years of age. Is Phil Phil Hughes is out of baseball? Phil Hughes has only been out of baseball for like 18 months. He was on the, uh, on a roster pitching in 2018. <laughs> He's probably like bouncing around the minor league somewhere. He gets something in the mail from the Yankees. He's like, oh, the Yankees, hey, they're reaching out to me. Would you like to come to our old-timers game? I think they need somebody to pitch. I think that's what it is. You know, you want to get somebody out there who's young who can uh, can throw. I had a couple uh, couple more phone calls. By the way, audience did a great job with the uh, greatest college games and uh, memorable games for you because today would have been the uh, opening of the tournament here. Scott in Minnesota joins us. Hi, Scott. What do you have for me? Big Dan, 58-225. I, uh, I think back to... Uh, 
Miners got their first mm. ever title. Mm. And also this day in sports history, Michael Jordan returns to the Chicago Bulls after two years of retirement, almost two years. He scored 19 in a loss to Reggie Miller and the Pacers. Marvelous Marv Albert on the call. Yeah, Mike didn't have a good game. I like how we make it seem like Mike hit every game-winning shot. You know, he never had bad games. Because when LeBron does this, it's like, oh, Michael never would have done that. Michael never did that. I'm not sure what you're referring to. Yeah, I know. Michael, LeBron does it all the time. Michael never did that. Hot, 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 hot. Uh, Ted in Florida joins us. Hi, Ted. Yeah, hey, DC. Uh, I was at the uh, UK-Texas Western game at uh, College Park, Maryland. That was a team that Pat Riley played on. Yes, he Pat jumped, he jumped center. Yeah, Riles jumped center. He could out-jump Pat uh, Jaraz, uh, who is our uh, playing center. But, uh, you know, the, the game was key for several reasons. Remember, the very next year they outlawed dunking because they saw the way Texas Western played. They outlawed dunking. You had to take the ball up over the rim and drop it through. I thought that they did that because of – now, did they uh, – and thanks for the phone call, Ted. Good for you. have a memory like that. I, did they allow Wilt Chamberlain to dunk when he was in Kansas because uh, Lou Alcindor wasn't allowed to dunk at UCLA? Yeah, Paul. If you watch the Kansas highlights with Wilt Chamberlain, it appears that dunking wasn't a thing yet. I know it had happened earlier, but if you watch him, he finger rolls a lot of stuff in. He, he used a backboard and he used a lot of finger rolling. Well, they called him the Big Dipper which I always found kind of an interesting nickname, the Big Dipper. Then he was Wilt the Stilt. But, yeah, I think that actually not having the dunk helped Lou Alcindor. He developed that sky hook and or perfected it. And if, if not, then he probably would have done. You know, Wilt never had a good shot, he never had a signature shot. He just powered right by everybody. Uh, Andrew in North Dakota. Hi, Andrew. Hey, how's it going, Dan? Uh, six, two and a half, two ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a great basketball memory and then a suggestion from McLovin for maybe tomorrow on a poll question. Poll question would be, does Tom Brady take Chris Godwin's number 12 yes. or does he take number 10 and go back to his Michigan days? And no, then, no, 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 no. He's got to do TV 12. He's got to have 12. He's got to be TV 12, right? But, I mean, uh, he, he may want to flip the page. He may want to have a new chapter and get away from Belichick and the no, Patriots. I don't no, no, you don't want to rebrand. But thank you, Andrew. Yeah, if, if I'm Chris Godwin, I... Send it to Brady right now. I meet him at the airport when he comes in. You want you Brady's going to want number twelve. And you know what? Maybe he'll make a nice donation to Chris Godwin Charity Day or something. Bobby in Ohio. Hi, Bobby. Hey, Bobby. See you, Bobby. Charlie Weiss, former Patriots offensive coordinator, was on with uh, our buddy Jason Smith, and he had this to say about Tom Brady going to the Buccaneers. Buccaneers better be ready for a change in the locker room of leadership by, by a veteran player like this because this guy will be on a mission. He's always had a chip on his shoulders. In his entire career, I've had a deal with him and his chip on his shoulder. <laughs> and trust me, that chip didn't get any smaller, him leaving New England. As a matter of fact, the chip might have gotten even bigger. That's Charlie Weiss on uh, the Jason Smith Show. Uh, the reason why I love the Buccaneers so much this year, six of Tampa Bay's nine losses last year came by eight points or less. In the six losses, in six of those losses, Jameis Winston had a total of 12 turnovers. So all you got to do is clean it up, and uh, you're going to add, you're going to be a playoff team. Yeah, Paul. This just in, Dan, from Adam Schefter. 
The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have agreed to terms with wide receiver Bryant Mitchell on a one-year deal. Oh. Sorry. Well, thank you. That's a great <laughs> build-up there, knucklehead. <laughs> agreed with wide receiver A. a-, a- Brian Antonio. Todd, what did you learn on today's program? I learned that McLovin is here in L.A. They'd be running out of nails, thus making it a challenge to finish building that new NFL stadium. Yeah. McLovin, what did you learn today? Chris Mannix is keeping the order in waffle business alive. Seton O'Connor Jr. the third. Yeah, Chris Mannix, grown man, has waffles delivered to his house. He can't cook. Waffles. Who has waffles delivered? Anybody can make waffles. Waffles. Paulie, what did you learn? You and Fritzy have the same matching sweatsuit outfits today. You look like you're in some type of doomsday yeah. cult. I know. Uh, but too bad we never got around to that topic. Uh, I know. Looking sharp. Yep. Seton says, oh, it looks like you've given up. And now you get it, don't you? Yep. Podcast One has some exciting news. It's official. Our shows are now available on Spotify. And it's free. We want to make it super easy for you and your friends to listen to our podcast. And joining Spotify allows us to be in even more places for fans to find us. If you're already listening to music on Spotify, you can now listen to our podcasts in the same place. If you're not on Spotify yet, all you have to do is download the free app. That's right. No credit card necessary. And simply search for our shows to start listening. 